0: You're tuning in to the Hustle Hotline with Char and Jesse. Hi, everyone. Hi,
1: Char. Hey, Jess. How you
2: doing? I'm good, thank you. It's midweek. Um, We need to normalize coughing again because hay fever's back. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm continuing my life as it's been at
1: home. No, let me tell you, this hay fever has knocked me out. I had to finish work literally two hours early because I just, I just couldn't take it. I had that little tickle in my throat, and I was just like, "No, I'm done. I'm done with hay fever." But obviously, that's enough about us. We have a very, very special guest for us today, and I'm super excited. We have Kelly. He was a London-based blogger and writer who writes for amazing publications from Beauty Talk stylist and pop sugar as well as her own blog it's kelly space so hey kelly how are you doing hi
0: guys i'm doing good how are you both good. Good.
1: i've
0: had a really good week
2: good we're excited to have you on because i feel like we've spoken about this for so long like we need to get you on need to get you on and it's like okay i let's let's get her on the June episode because it's also your birthday month so even better.
0: Yes it is yeah just over a week away now so yeah I'm um, turning 31 but <gasps> I kind of suspect like it doesn't count because I turned 30 last year about three months after you know the pandemic first hit and you know I didn't get to celebrate I just had to have a virtual party with my friends on Zoom so um yeah, I feel like 30 doesn't count. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I, think, I think something needs to be said about, like, the forgotten birthdays of 2020. Like, yeah, we yeah, didn't to celebrate how we wanted, and it's still kind of almost dragging into this year. It's like, oh, you can have a birthday dinner, but it has to be your house, household. And I say that in air quotes because, you know,
1: who I'm not walking
2: in and showing my address.
1: No, not at all. So, Kelly, Kelly was so interested about you, your career, and obviously we know you a little bit, but our listeners do not. So... Just tell us a little bit about your journey as a writer. How did it all
0: start? So my journey as a writer started 11 years ago. That was when I launched my first blog, which was called Fashion, Love and Life. So I did that for a bit and then I just sort of stepped away from blogging for a bit. I didn't really want to blog for some reason because I felt like the blog that I had was more consumer focused and it kind of lacked purpose. So I think I just kind of like stepped away to try to figure out where I was at. And then in 2017, I decided to return to blogging again. And then that's when I launched Kelly Space. And um, yeah, I think a few years after that, I just decided that I wanted to sort of level up in terms of my writing abilities. And then I started writing for Pop Sugar, Stylist, Verdy, Round Beauty Talk. And um, yeah, it's just been like that since then.
1: Amazing! Like obviously, we know what you've done, and you've been so inspiring. But obviously, we're, I'm seeing a lot more like black female writers like popping up onto the scene, um, and you've had a lot of prominence usually at the moment. But what is it like to be a black female in a usually white dominated industry? What's it like?
0: Good question. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> I would say it does have its fair share of challenges but I think that what's happened over the past year with the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement because of George Floyd's murder has sort of changed the industry and it's changed the way that Black writers male and female are treated and also you know in terms of the opportunities given to us I think that um our stories, our experiences, and, you know, our lifestyles are now a lot more sought after. And I think that's a good thing, because I think that when it comes to, you know, different um, minorities, we are aware of, you know, how they live their lives, you know, um, the things that form parts of their culture. Whereas I think pre-BLM and, you know, George Floyd, a lot of people weren't really aware about what it means to be Black. So I think it's, yeah, it's definitely, well, for me, I find that I've been able to sort of have more writing opportunities. And, you know, I think that the platforms that I write for, I'm really lucky because they encourage me to share my experiences. And, you know, that's another way for me to connect with readers who are Black. So, yeah, I would say, it has its moments, but I think there has been a positive shift. But as well, I do worry about it kind of being performative at times. So yeah, I would say there has been a good, there has been a good shift in terms of, you know, we are seeing a lot more Black writers doing amazing things and securing amazing opportunities. But, you know, it is about experience as opposed to just saying okay I've given a writer a chance because they're black because we existed pre-BLM and pre-George Floyd so the fact that you know our talent wasn't really recognized until you know this sort of pivotal moment you know it is a bit um it's not great but then I mean you know it's just one of those things where you just have to sort of Use this moment to just, you know, make sure our voices are heard and our experiences are shared.
2: I couldn't use it better. Like literally, that's such a good answer. And it's just kind of like we're kind of noticing like bigger platforms that never really embraced us before Mm -hmm. are trying, but you still question it. Like, is this coming from a place of? box ticking or is it, you know, they genuinely want to embrace diversity and, you know, just recognizing black people exist. Cause I kinda think like flicking back to magazines, like I I've I've can probably gather like kelly that like you probably used to read a lot of magazines i think we all did we didn't really have online platforms when we were like 15 16 but even like if you think of like the magazines back then like cosmopolitan miz and stuff when you think of like when they did the hairstyles it was always blonde brunette and then like a random curly hair yeah and, and now it's like you'll go in the glamour magazine homepage and you'll visibly see like an article for afro hair and it's just kind of like it's amazing because these these publications always thought of us as other, like other. It's like, you know, yeah. you have blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes, fine. You have eyes full stop. But when it came to like hair or the products available, it's just like, yeah, this is only in five shades. <laughs> if you can't get your shape, then, you know, that's your problem. So no, that's a really, really, really good point.
0: Yeah, I think I do have mixed feelings because as you were saying, um, Charlotte, like, you know, it's just not. It's just about trying to figure out where they're coming from, and you know, in terms of like brands and publications and what their intention is. You know, and I definitely relate. Like I read a lot of magazines growing up, and you know, the ones ones like um, Bliss and Shout and yeah. is it Fizz, I think Sugar. as well. Yeah, <laughs> they were <laughs> they weren't really for us. You know, they were not really for you know black girls, but we you know, we read them anyway, because I think back then, you know, there wasn't really anyone around to sort of question what was happening. Whereas now, I think we're a much more conscious generation. And, you know, we're not afraid to speak out if, you know, we see something that's not right.
1: Mm, Definitely. That was what was my concern last year, because we've seen things about like black people and black moments for black people, um, I would say, and I was really, really worried that it would be like a diversity tick box for a lot of brands. I'm happy to say like um, there's been more momentum. I'm just hoping that it kind of like continues and not be like, yes, we're talking about diversity. It's just the norm. Um, but yeah, you your answer was perfect.
0: Yeah, I think, I hope so as well, because I do feel like for some brands, it is a case of, you know, trying to tick boxes and, you know, just talking about what you will do, because I think, um, Estee Lauder they did release a statement um I think it was a week or so ago saying that you know they do plan to sort of um incorporate like diversity like into their business so just making sure they're like hiring more people and you know um taking like people who aren't um white so like taking their skincare needs into account as well so in terms of like all areas of the business they said that you know they do intend to Um, incorporate more diversity and inclusivity um into what they do and it and it's great but it just kind of feels like we've always been here you know why is it now you know
2: yeah and going on from that there's a lot of um diversity and inclusion officers or management or director roles that have popped up that weren't there before so it's, it's all very, very interesting. And, you know, if the, those, those roles are brand new, how is that going to sh- shape change in an organisation? It's, it's one of those things where, like, are we going to see change in our, our generation or is it going to be the next? It's just, it's just going to be very, very interesting to see how that unfolds over the next, I don't know, 10, 15, 20
0: years. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, if they'll be consistent with it as well, because I think that it's just been a year and there's still like a lot to do well I think anyway I think there's still quite a bit to do so it will be interesting to see you know if they stick to their word
2: yeah I think this is just the beginning because I feel like obviously like again 10-15 years ago reading the magazines and not having anything to us to you know start to see small bits of change um yeah this is sort of just the beginning and I think our generation's not really taking any shit anymore to be honest so um yeah this will be interesting to see what happens next
1: yeah so it's no surprise that we're still in this pandemic um and I can say for myself and I'm sure both of you have been going through a lot of self-reflection questioning your purpose um but Do you feel like the past year has made you question your purpose?
0: I would say yes, definitely. Yeah, I think that not having to go in the office, you know, for five days a week has definitely meant that I've had a lot more, well, I've been able to spend a lot more time with my thoughts, you know, and spend a lot more time in my own head. So, um, yeah, I've definitely been able to, like, think about my purpose and think about you know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and yeah I think the pandemic has just made me question so much and I think you know it's not just the fact that we're kind of well like I say we because it's like a shared it's a shared experience definitely because it's you know impacted the whole world but I think um, it's definitely one of those things where I don't know how to say it but I think yeah, it's a shared experience. And I think that um I'm just trying to find my trainer for. <laughs> it's almost like a new shift. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would I would say that it has, it has been a shift. So yeah, just being able to sort of spend time with myself and you know, my own thoughts has just made me think about why I'm doing something. Whereas before I wouldn't really have questioned what I did. And also, like, well, a few months after the pandemic, I did do online therapy. And that also helped because it helped me to figure out, you know, who I was and, you know, the values that I had and, you know, things that I could work on to better myself as a person as well. So I would say, like, during this pandemic, I've definitely gone through a complete overhaul. But then at the same time, I feel like it's made me think a bit more. I've become a bit more analytical whereas before I think pre-COVID I was analytical but like you know in terms of overthinking everything but not as much as before whereas now I feel like I'm more mindful of you know what I do how I spend my time you know what I give my energy to so yeah it's been a really um interesting process to say the least. Yeah, yeah i completely agree
2: the self reflection of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 it is enough and like i completely agree with like every kind of thing you're putting your energy to these days you're kind of like not questioning it but you're like is this going to benefit me in any kind of way and i feel like pre pandemic we never really
0: questioned our purpose in the mm. way we've done in the past year because there was never any time to because yes. go, if you're going to work nine to five you know you've got your, you wake up in the morning you've got to get ready then you've got your commute then you've got a whole working day and then you have to do the commutes all over again there was like rarely any time of a yeah, to focus on themselves
1: so. and then and in kind of seeing your friends or like if for us going to like pr or kind of fashion and beauty events you know so you'd have like seeing your friends for dinner, like going on a date, going to events as well. So when do you breathe? When do you stop? You didn't have any of that. Um, yeah. It's just so mad how things have changed. I was actually saying to Shah, like we're just being very picky as to when we go out. Like for me, like I would any time of the week, if you want to see me, I can I'll see you. Yeah? But I said to Shah the other day because I don't wear Fridays like the days you can see me are between Friday to Sunday. Between that, not doing anything. <laughs> you cannot see me because you just, I personally feel like I needed that time to breathe and just reevaluate. i just like you, I've done therapy throughout the years, the last couple of years. And I went back just to kind of like say, okay, what is my purpose? What am I doing? And everything now has to have like, most of the time, some longevity or reason as to, because life is so short. And I've taken some time just to rest and enjoy personally. So that's what I've done in terms of self-reflection. I think this year for me, like for the first time ever, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I feel like I just don't know what I'm doing. I'm feeling kind of lost. and But I'm not scared of that, like kind of wading through. I think this time has allowed me to just kind of enjoy the here and now. Because like, as we've seen what's been going on, life is too short so just enjoying the moment like just kind of like free-falling is what I've been enjoying.
0: That was what I wanted to that was actually what I wanted to say before I lost my train of thought (laughs) if the pandemic has taught us anything it's sort of about the fragility of life because unfortunately a lot of people who were alive when this started you know are no longer here with us so I think in the sense of, you know, teaching people that life is precious, even though we knew it before, I feel like that sort of really helped people to reevaluate their their priorities. And even me as well, like I can, I can definitely relate. I'm quite, you know, particular with my time as well. So, um, yeah, life is um, precious and you definitely have to just, you know, spend your time doing things that make it worth it.
2: Yeah I completely agree and I, I kind of went for a period of like gratitude last year where I was like I'm super grateful that I have the ability to be working from home and I'm still you know still employed um <laughs> so like you know instead of complaining about things I kind of put myself in a perspective of like you know things literally changed overnight like it was just kind of like we'd never experienced anything like this on on record like I know it's probably an extreme comparison but it was almost a war against the unknown thing that we couldn't see but it touched everyone everywhere like the fact that when it started it was like travel stopped and I was really adamant that I'm like yeah yeah I'm going away next week pandemic (laughs) (laughs) cold yeah yeah you were
0: I think we all yeah definitely we all were yeah
2: like now it's like (laughs) hmm holiday in the UK no thanks I'm gonna ride it out I'm gonna wait I'm just gonna you know grind my teeth until I can get on a plane again but yeah it's um I think gratitude is definitely something that came out of last year as well like you know not to do that a whole woe is me or, you know, someone else got worse, but someone else does always have it worse. So put things into perspective that, you know, you're, you're okay. You've got food and shelter. That's, you know, you're rich in my
0: eyes. Yeah, and I actually remember a few days before lockdown was announced. Well, even before that, some of my colleagues had started to work from home because they, you know, learned that, you know, if you have underlying health conditions, you know, you shouldn't really be, you know, um, in a working space. So a few colleagues of mine, um, had started to work from home. And, um, I remember sort of like getting the sort of resources that I prepare like for events and things as part of my nine to five and just thinking, okay, this is going to be over in two weeks. Like the government have got this, like, I'm not even going to worry. I'm just going to leave this box there, that box over there. And, you know, I'll be back in two weeks, you know, (laughs) ready you know to work at 9am like the government have got this and you know this thing is just not going to spiral out of control I just want like the UK like a modern country like there is no way like this is going to be an issue for us and yeah um, definitely learned not to speak too soon (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks turned into year. I was really like, yeah, yeah,
2: in three weeks it's gonna be over. I really I still remember That's that with Richie Sunak on the Friday, yeah. the twentieth. I was like, Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. In three weeks I'm going to Oslo and Norway like i was the same place um i was really adamant and then it was like okay okay maybe may no no, no June. no no no. i just don't think we came out of proper lockdown until for me personally until i could go to the nail shop that was like when lockdown ended for me but yeah um i don't know i think i've learned just to have no expectations <laughs> anymore that's it just ride, take it
1: day by day
0: Yeah, definitely. Managing your expectations is key because you just don't know, like even now, we don't know what's going to happen within the next few days, you know, let alone the next few months. So, yeah.
1: Cool. So just circling it back to beauty, as we know, this past year has seen a rise in black beauty brands. Yay, like mine. Um, And the support for them. Um, do you think some brands are using diversity as a tick box exercise, or do you think they actually want to embrace
0: it? These are some really interesting questions. <laughs> um, I I do think that, of course, there is a trend. Well, I think diversity and inclusivity is. I don't know if I feel like it is a trend because it's something that's expected of brands. But I feel like maybe with the newer brands, there are, they are trying to be more diverse and more inclusive in order to box tick. But then I also think that, you know, it's the offering that will determine what their intentions are, because you can't say you've got a diverse brand or an inclusive brand. And your product offering does nothing for, you know, a person who's not white, let's say Latina or black or, you know, Asian. If the product doesn't work for them, how can you say you're being inclusive? So I think, yeah, it's in it's in the product or it's in the service that they offer, because at the end of the day, you can't put a front on that sort of thing. You either cater to people from different backgrounds or you don't.
1: And that's it. You know, um, I think there was a, well, there was an article which I was featured in where a lot of brands haven't kind of, you know, backed up saying, yeah, we're going to do diversity, we're going to do diversity. It was like a tick box exercise or they quickly threw out some foundations and they still have 50 shades of beige and a couple of dark shades and everything like that. That so just for me, annoys me. Yeah. <laughs> it annoys me a lot, especially when we're looking at the statistics when um black and brown women spend the most on beauty. So it just doesn't, it just doesn't compete. But that's another kind of episode that we can talk about. Yeah. Um, but I for me, I was a bit skeptical when I saw it. Because I'm I'm of the mindset that if you want to do something, well, just do it yourself. So that's why I was like so happy to see like black beauty brands like hair brands like um there's a hair braiding brand like, the name escapes me but I was working with her and um she makes braiding hair for black women and we know like the expression yeah makes your head itch and i am a person that's got sensitive skin so obviously getting someone that knows about black hair who's black doing that skincare um because black skin can brown skin can be different you know what I mean beauty obviously my my brand as well knowing the colors that suit all different skin tones so when I saw those brands do it that's cool that's calm do it but at the same time is it just going to be just for now like when Fenty Beauty came up and you had a couple of like foundations now you never talk about it or is this something that you actually care about and want to really push so for me I was like "Mm, not too sure too sure and some brands have done it some just I've been hush hush about it so
0: yeah, I agree. Yeah, because if you don't know, you know, as I was mentioning, if you don't know how to case to people, you're not going to get it right. And then again, as you were talking about like 50 shades of beige, I think that's the mistake that a lot of brands are making, they're not actually doing their research. And in order to do your research, you don't need to head to your, you know, science department or cosmetics department or whichever department, you know, handles the production process, you need to speak to the people you need to speak to the people who are using these products in order to know how best to make them.
2: Mm. And going on that, like the fact that my skin is this shade is that modern enough reason for you to make a product in my shade. And I always kind of come back to it. There have been brands that have been doing, you know, diverse shade ranges and catering to us for years. So just because I'm, I'm still a bit like, I know Fenty came out with the 50 Shades of Foundation in 2017. I'm still of the view that there have been brands that are doing it for years. So um, I'm kind of like, why are we begging certain brands for inclusivity if there are brands that have been doing it for years? But it should be, um, we shouldn't be begging them. It should be the norm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there.
0: Like, for example, Iman. Iman Cosmetics launched yes. in the mid-90s and yeah her first thing was undertones like that was her you know USP her unique selling point it was undertones and making sure that you know black women of different uh, complexions were being catered to and you know and she did that well and I think that she definitely should have had more people back in her brand because I think she got it right whereas with Fenty I think as well I'm not questioning the brand and I've never tried the foundation. So I can't sort of share my view from the point of a customer because, you know, I've never used their foundation. But I think that with these times that we live in, it was a lot of maybe just hype, hype helped, you know, in terms of the, the launch and also the fact that, you know, Rihanna is behind the brand as well. I think that definitely helped. And I think hype just took over to the point where it was like, okay, you know, let's not even question whether this product is good. It's like 40 shades. It's like you're going to find something that's for you. And I'm sure that, you know, there are women out there who have. But, um, yeah, I just think, as you were saying, Shah, there are people who have been, you know, who have been behind this, you know, offering makeup for people who have you know different skin tones for years like Iman, Doris Michaels, Black Opal. There's so many brands that have been doing this for a really long time that haven't received the credit that they deserve and I'm not saying again that Fenty um, isn't worthy of credit so will yeah. they really come for me please. <laughs>
2: it's, it's, more, it's more the exposure because you've got brands like Fashion Fair that have been in you know they they were stocked in boots stocked in debenhams i'm I'm pretty sure the company went in i don't know if they're you know gone into liquidation or administration I think they, did. Yeah, they, I think did. they did yeah I think yeah there's there are brands it's just exposure isn't it and you know beauty is one of not the easiest markets to enter, but there's so many different beauty brands like we could probably list off like thirty or forty beauty brands between us. Um, whereas, you know, compared to something like a bed brand, probably be like, I don't know, dreams. Um, so I, I definitely think it's about exposure and what's popular. And um, yeah, that's something to be said. But yeah, definitely.
1: It's a, it's a shame because we're showing our age now because obviously like the Doris Michaels from the hair shop, the Aman um, Foundation is sick. It's so good. And the black opals and things like that. I feel like a lot of the younger guys don't really know about those um, products. And some of them are really, really high quality. I think it's just one of those things whereby obviously I work in digital and social. They just need a really strong team just to push it out and a bit more hype. Because I think they're resting in the, rest the laws will kind of like, like we're the, I guess we're the youngest of the demographic that know about them. But obviously our mums and our aunties buy buy because it's quality. Uh, and it's a shame because like Debenhams has no store anymore um <laughs> so and um is you you're most likely not going to be able to walk into like a super drug and see an emman cosmetics there or it's more you'd probably see it in like a house of Fraser or something like that i i can't even tell you where you can get it right now or a fashion fair or a black opal right now it, you have to be like specialist places like you go to ripston or something like that places whereby there is that demographic there, which is a shame because they are out there. You just need to you need the mo- most ex- more exposure.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think accessibility is definitely a big issue. And also with these brands as well, maybe they just don't have the backing as well. That's another thing. That's another thing to consider. They might just not be backed by people because you know I think that we do live in a society that's very like image-based. And I think with your imans and your fashion fairs and your Doris Michaels, it's about the product. So, you know, if you get the product and you put it on, like you're going to look good. Whereas now I think that a lot of young women who do wear makeup are all about the aesthetics. So they just think, okay, does the bottle look good? You know, can I apply this product easily? They're just focusing on on details that don't necessarily revolve around the product. So, yeah, I think it's a myth of fact that you know these um og cosmetic brands aren't really being invested in
1: yeah exactly it's a shame because they some of them are so like banging Um, so on the topic of like beauty brands and diversity how can upcoming or new brands champion diversity what can they do
0: well i think talking to people is definitely important so talk to people who actually use Products. So talk to people who are Black, who are Latin, who are Asian, talk to people who, you know, don't look like you and find out, like, what their experience is. So what beauty products do they like? What beauty products do they wish, you know, there was more of? What beauty products are they having issues with? You know, I think it's really about asking questions to people who are using these products, you know, and filling in those gaps, you know, instead of trying to keep up with competitors. Whereas I know for some brands, you know, keeping up with competitors, you know, that's their priority because they want to make money. But, you know, I do think that the customer has to be, well, has to become, has to come before any of that.
1: Agreed. Um, And just to kind of like um, add on to that, when we talk about diversity, diversity is such a huge umbrella. And obviously I think about diversity mostly in terms of race. Um, I always see myself as black before anything else, right? So for like upcoming brands, you would have to look at kind of like your USP and then think about what bas- well, what kind of section of diversity you're going to look at. So are you going to talk about race? Are you going to talk about gender? Are you going to talk about sexuality? Is there a way that you can talk about that with your brand in there? For example, Pharrell has just launched a, was it a skincare brand? like for like was it was a unisex or something like that I think Pharrell's done something around that but I'm not sure but there's a lot of kind of brands who are thinking about like skincare for like the beauty for like men and women as well I think Planted is another one because like for skincare you normally think about women but a lot of guys want to take care of themselves they want to take care of their hair so I'm not just talking about like beard or some creams as well to kind of like Moisturize it because I've got a lot of guy mates, and they're like, "Well, oil doesn't really work. If I want it to grow, I need some cream or something like that." I was like, "Oh my god, I didn't even think about that because obviously I don't have a beer So you've just got to think about what type of diversity you're going you be talking about. Yeah, okay. I think. Yeah, I'm That's sorry. Right. Yeah, I was just gonna <laughs> say this, there's a big question
2: mark about celebrity. Um, skincare lines which is probably a topic for another episode but you've got celebrities pushing skincare lines when they've got access to the best dermatologist facialist in the world so you know Alicia Keys Um, (laughs) there's a big 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 question mark I'm not saying don't do it but there's a big I have a big question mark around celebrity endorsed lines I think Fenty aside, because you can see the science and innovation, but you know, again, that's another revenue stream for celeb. So, yeah, that's that's all I wanted to add.
0: <laughs> I was actually going to say that um, you gave me food for thought, Jess, because when you were talking about diversity, you pointed out that diversity isn't just about race. And for me, it's actually crazy how when I think about diversity, I think about race and only race. Yeah, I think that in itself just proves you know how much of an issue like you know it still is in terms of like you know not just brands but even companies probably needing to be more diverse and I think probably a lot of people are in my boat when they think of diversity they automatically think race
2: you know yeah I was also going to say that like diversity and inclusion also comes down to um, how you can use the products. So from an ableist point of view, someone else might not who's got some sort of, um, what's the word, um, disability to hold a product. They might need like a special product to apply mascara or even coming down to, if someone's blind, having the product written in Braille on the on the actual product itself. So there's like so many things to think about and obviously a brand can't get all of them right in one go but it's something to bear in mind that when it comes to diversity again this is such a quote it's not all black and white Hmm. wow I don't
1: even think about that you know the whole Um, braille and ableism yeah yeah, I've seen stuff on snapchat and stuff like that and I'm yeah it's 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 really really interesting because that
2: I try and like on like youtube and stuff I try and like not just watch the standard beauty youtubers I try and like you know diversify my feed and watch things I wouldn't normally watch
1: yeah so I've got a fun question for both of you I guess I can don't have to answer this because I have my own beauty brand but if you both had your own beauty brand right think of it you've got your own beauty brand to start something up what three things would be at its core? What three important elements would be at its core for the brand?
0: Um, definitely formulations. Yeah. So I'd want to, yeah, I'd want to just centre formulations and just make sure like the customer knows like they're at the heart of everything. So mm-hmm. in terms of like making sure the product is being created in the right way and yeah, that there's some sort of diverse offering you know so yeah that's definitely one thing for me definitely formulations and color as well I think a lot of um makeup brands sort of keep it simple so like you've either got the product you know that's visible and then you've got a sort of like um either gold cap cover or white cover I don't know what it's called but um yeah I would definitely try and incorporate some color from an aesthetic purpose yeah and um I think information as well I'd try to maybe put some information on the packaging so people know what they're using so like for example why you know is rosehip oil good for your skin you know what do you need to know about it so that way I can attract more people the product and definitely using natural ingredients as much as I can. So I gave four. That wasn't free. It was four. But yeah, <laughs> I
1: like it. I like an overachiever. So would your brand be skincare or makeup or both?
0: Or I would want to do both. I'd want to combine. The, yeah, I'd kind of want to combine the two because I think that makeup is great, but you know your skin like is the most important base. You've got to take care of your skin like in order. For your makeup to look good on you. So yeah, I'd like to do both.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Fun. And obviously, if you people listening to this can't see um Kelly's amazing skin. It's literally glowing, like, <laughs> glowing at me through. Well,
0: that's the light right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is no it is so that's good. Like 80% light. But yeah, I try to take care of my skin. I think, especially since I've turned 30, like I've been really um, yeah, I've been really onto skincare and just like using us. Well, not as much as I can. Well, still I still like to use a fair amount of products, but I think sticking to what's worked for me has definitely helped. And um yeah, just since I turned 30, I just don't really want to like look older.
1: <laughs> well, I feel you on that. I I'm always like that.
0: revisiting revisiting my skincare um regime and just making <laughs> sure like I've got things that can, you know, make my skin live its best life. And yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for me, well, I've got my own beauty brand by Jess D, but I think if I was going to start something else in terms of beauty, it would have to be like hair, <laughs> I think. Like, um, so for me, it would be ease of style. So what I would do is probably like a wig or ponytail kind of like line as well, because I'm so lazy when it comes to doing my hair. I just want it done and quick. So that would be it. It would also be affordability. So I know a lot of people want to like have like snatch their look and everything, but they probably can't afford it. So I'd make sure that it was like um, affordable as well. And then also um, quality as well. So I'd make sure that even if it was like at an affordable price point, that it'd be really, really uh, good quality as well, which is what we do for ByJesty anyway. So yeah, it's <laughs> something different. I I we'll like that. Go?
0: Sounds good.
1: Yeah. Maybe we'll expand to hair. You never know.
0: What's your (laughs) space? And what you were saying as well about um, you know, the expressions and other main braid brands. Um, I did read something online. Um, it was an article about like whether these brands were using like really harmful ingredients to make their braids.
1: Mm.
0: So I think a lot of black women now are being mindful of the hair that they're using, you know, just making sure that it's not impacting them in a bad way. On, on that note, I was gonna
2: say I saw a brand that's using
0: banana fibers as I braids today. Um you, is that you the one get? on Twitter? I think it's on Twitter, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that? yeah. that looks really yeah, looks really good. And the braids don't look like the braids like you would get in packs, cosmetics. So you know like <laughs> (laughs) that must be good
1: hair it looks really really good like um, oh gosh the name of the brand that I work with like literally has escaped me so so bad but like honestly when I had my braids last December literally down to my back right the color was amazing and it didn't itch my scalp because after yeah. I saw that video with, like, expressions and people said, oh, if you want to use it, you have to put it in water. Like, I think it was vinegar. All this white residue came. And some people had, like, rashes. And like, my sister cannot wear, like, expressions. Like, she, she will be itching, itching all the time. Like, like some people just really don't react badly. And I don't remember expressions being like that when I was younger because I, I do braids all the time. I don't know if they're doing something as of recent, the last couple of years, that, is literally leading to people a lot of people quote, like saying that look I'm getting really bad problems with it so yeah I just don't think like the beauty um the hair industry if it's not created by like, black women it is for black women it's just to make quick money uh and I'm happy to spend a little bit more on black hair brands that cater for us because it's not gonna damage your hair you know
0: uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, because if they're, you know, if the products, well, if the ingredients in these um, braids and, you know, other hair products that are targeted, you know, at us are going to harm us, then, you know, there's no point.
1: Mm. Oh, Shah, sure, did you? Oh, yeah. Got talk oh, about...
2: yeah. Oh, um, I'm actually like, I'm still in like very odd research early stage because I do want to launch my own brand but it's one of those ones where launching a brand in a pandemic and funding and all of that fun. Um, but without giving too much away, I think mine would definitely be multi-purpose products. Um, simply because obviously as an avid traveler, having that little clear plastic bag and taking all my toiletries is very anti-black. Like I always have to buy cream in the airport. Like there's no, no doubt about it. So, um, definitely multi-purpose multi-use um I think for me packaging I'm starting to get really conscious about like the packaging I'm using and also like the amount of plastic I generate as a person just from being like a beauty enthusiast and you know getting things in PR um so like it would have to be packaging would have to be like you know recycled ocean plastic or you know aluminium is that the word um, and then I think the third one is like with it being multi-purpose, it's also gonna be genderless as well. So um I think that would be kind of at its core. So those kind of three box ticks, and again, I think affordability is a big thing because you know, travel size beauty, okay. Well, that will that is kind of like the angle of the brand I want to launch. Travel size beauty is a scam. Um there's no way I should be paying ten pounds for a small m- mascara in the airport. Like that's that's crazy. So, um, yeah, pr- pricing it right is my big my big thing for travel size beauty. Like you spend so much on like a small version. Like I think one example is in Superdrug or Boots, the really small deodorants £1.50 pound fifty, and then the two hundred mils one pound fifty. So I'm like, make it make sense. So um, yeah, pricing
1: amazing great so hopefully we all get investment we can kind of make our dreams come true and (laughs) like you know (laughs) be like beauty entrepreneurs like massive ones well watch this space you never know you never know this year's been crazy you never know um so to our final question we've got there guys um kelly what advice would you give to up-and-coming writers who want to break into the industry
0: um I don't know if I've broken into the industry yet. (laughs) I feel like I've done a few few things. Honestly speaking, everyone says, yes, you have. But then I just kind of feel like I'm still trying to establish myself in a way because there are a lot more platforms that I would love to get my work onto. So a lot of people say, yes, you have. And in terms of what platforms, I'd love to maybe do print just kind of like Ooh. putting out there so yeah most of the work that I've done so far has been digital so I'd love to do print so my fingers are crossed hopefully that can you know happen this year and yeah we'll just see how it goes but in terms of publications I'd love to write for Elle maybe Vogue yeah there's still there's quite a few um places where I, where I would really like to see my work so um Yeah. In terms of advice, I would say read, like do a lot of reading, like find out what's happening within the industry. I would also say like find a place where you can showcase your work. So for me, that's via the services page, like on the blog. So I don't have to create an additional website. So all of the articles that I've written um, including the profile that I did for Jess's brand by Testy, Just a little plug there for you. Yeah, um, They're on um, the services page on my blog. So um, yeah, definitely have a place to showcase your work. So even if you haven't written for like the major publications, you know, or there's like, let's say a few posts or maybe articles you've written for like lesser known um, publications, like find a place to put them there um also just try to network I would say networking and I would say pitch I think as well when it comes to pitching I think you really have to be consistent because I still get pitches rejected and I've written like quite a few articles so you really have to be persistent you have to keep going and um yeah just be full be full of ideas just pay attention to like what's happening around you, what's happening in the industries that you're interested in, you know, trying to have a, although I don't like this advice, but trying to have a thick skin definitely helps. And yeah, just believe, believe in yourself and believe in your craft. Because when I started my blog, I knew that I wanted to write for um, major digital publications, but I just didn't know how I was going to do that. But I thought, you know, there's just got to be a way for me to like try to elevate my writing game and you know have my work seen by more people than you know the people who are viewing it right now so um yeah believe believe in your craft invest in your craft and just yeah just put yourself out there and just talk about talk about what you do yeah and then also if you have a blog sorry if you have a blog If you have a blog as well, I think you should use that to sort of explore the themes that you are interested in. So, you know, topics that you would like to write about. So, for example, if you want to do like opinion pieces, you know, use your blog to write opinion pieces. Then that way, when you pitch, you can then say to, you know, said editor or whoever's commissioning that, you know, you've written a piece on so-and-so, you can find it here. And in that way, that shows that you're, you know, capable of doing a good job.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And I was going to say, like, it's crazy because before um, when me and Jess were having the prequel for this podcast, not prequel, sorry, pre-call, Um, I just went back through my blog and it's crazy because we did a collab back in 2018 about um, diversity in the beauty industry and, like, one thing with me and you, like, like we really work well on a collab. So like networking is such a big thing. Like we met on Twitter and then, you know, I started seeing you at like the, like the black beauty events. So you never sort of know, like, it's not, I always kind of think in these kind of things, it's not always about you. You need to collaborate, network, speak to people. And like, I feel like in these, pandemical times it's slightly difficult where we lack that human connection so um, if you see kind of someone in the same field as you that you admire just DM them like even if they don't respond at least you did it
0: Yeah I agree and for me even pre-pandemic I think I struggled with the whole human connection thing because I'm actually an introvert (laughs) so to like put myself out there and just like you know network with people and just believe in myself to the point where I think okay I'm gonna be persistent with this and not stop until I get what I want it takes a lot for me because I like to sort of keep myself to myself like I'm like such a traditional INFJ like I'm that person who if I go to an event like I can be social for a few hours and then literally I'll just get to a point where it's like okay I need at least five to ten minutes alone to just (laughs) recharge and then just sort of put myself back out there again like I'm that much of an introvert so the networking side of being a writer Has has been challenging, but you know, if you don't put yourself out there, you'll never know.
1: Oh wow, we got two introverts on call. I'm a massive (laughs) extrovert, so like going and networking (laughs) is my life juice. I'm an E. I think I'm an ENFJ. I think so. Like, so I'm the extrovert version of you. So you're doing so so well for someone who needs to like, uh, okay, recharge and then go back out there because like. I feel you broke it into the industry. I can't wait to see where you boom and then be like, she wrote about me, she wrote about me. You know like, that? Because I went around the family group chat, by the way.
2: <laughs> and um, yeah, so like, you're did. No, I was going to say, I remember seeing the piece on, I think it was on Pop Sugar before you'd even tweeted it. I think I just saw it in my timeline. Or just and the Black kind
0: of- subscription boxes. You saw yeah. it. And I was yeah. like, oh
2: my God, I know her. <laughs> So I'm like, oh my God, it was before you'd even, like, um, said you'd written this piece. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing.
0: Yeah, I actually had to take a few hours to sit with it before I promoted it. Because I remember when the editor emailed me and said, the article's live. And that was the first ever article. And I was like, oh my God. And I just spent, like, two hours being really excited and then got on Twitter.
1: (laughs) You were (laughs) excited. I was gassed. I was like, I put that on LinkedIn. I put it everywhere. (laughs) And I looked like so professional. And I told my photographer, You're on it, yeah, she's in it, and she was like, She was so happy too. So, um, yeah, I,
2: think, I was just gonna say, On that, I, I feel like maybe it's the British element of our personalities, but we do need to shout about our work more. Um, full stop, like,
0: I don't think it's British, you know, I think it yeah. kind of trying not to be sort of like too psychology focused I kind of think like it boils down to early life as well so if you've been taught to like (laughs) because it's crazy did you see the girl who posted on Twitter with a screenshot of what her dad said to her I think she got a job or something I saw it yesterday it's actually gone viral she got a job and her dad was like relax like you haven't won the Oscars and honestly (laughs) speaking Wow, you need to send that to me I haven't seen it. Like, I think I retweeted it. I'm not sure. or I might have liked it, but I just looked at it and I was like, you what? Like, you got a job, like, in a pandemic, which in itself is an achievement. And your dad is basically telling you to humble yourself. Like, wow. a lot of us, like, our parents, well, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, some of us, our parents haven't really taught us to sit in our joy, it's always like, yeah, that's great. Like, let it go now, because you know, what follows, you need to focus on what follows. You know, we don't really sit in our joy and just, you know, take the time to sort of like comprehend what we've actually achieved. And I think that while well, this generation are doing a really good job of, you know, not being afraid to big themselves up. So, yeah.
2: Well, that's, that's profound. Imagine your parents saying to you, you haven't won the Oscars.
1: <laughs> or oh, know what if to I do find
0: it, if I find it I'll definitely like at you guys like in the um comments yeah I could not believe it I just looked at it and I actually looked at the comments and it wasn't until like a few comments down that people were like oh, okay is this what you know I think the girl was Asian so she was like this is what you know um so-and-so parents are like just like oh my god wow <laughs> Wow. wow
1: wow wow Wow! I wouldn't know what to do You've got a new
0: job you should be like a nice well done at least yeah and it is some and it is something to celebrate because at the end of the day I think you know you need to go through interviews well you need to apply first you need to get the interview then you need to go through the interview and just prove that you're better than everyone else like it's not something to be taken lightly you know when a company says I want you you know even if it's on a let's say part-time or freelance basis you know your contribution will still matter
2: so I'm gonna say something that might be kind of unorthodox but in our parents generation you'd kind of walk in and ask if you're hiring and you'd probably be hired on the spot so you know it may have been a lot easier to get jobs back then there wasn't all of you know there was definitely unconscious bias back then but now it's just kind of like in this digital age you're competing with so many different people um you don't just kind of like walk into a shop and hand in your cv anymore it's like no you gotta go online um true yeah maybe his perspective of like oh you got a job well done you haven't won the oscars is kind of like well in my day it was harder yeah, yeah I, I
0: guess so yeah and i guess as well with sort of our parents generation and probably grandparents as well there was sort of certain um industries that would make space for you so if you weren't a teacher you were a doctor you know or a nurse or something along those lines so um yeah I don't think that sort of like branching out into let's say more creative industries for example was an option back then it was sort of like okay you went where people you know accepted you especially you know in let's say 1960s or 70s Britain you know which wasn't really kind to you know people who weren't white.
1: So. True oh, wow so that was amazing advice I've got a little bonus question a little bonus question a mini one that only you could ask, Kelly what's yeah. next
0: what's next what's next <laughs> I don't know at this point I don't know I just want to keep on keep on writing and you know I've got my um mindset on getting at least one print piece um in 2021 and yeah I'm definitely well I've actually started blogging a little less now so that I can focus on getting my work sort of in well on digital publications and potentially in print and um yeah that's it really and just continue to grow my little Instagram community that I've created as well and yeah that's it
2: it's not little it inspires me every time I see a post I'm like
1: I love it yeah
2: oh, I, I never thought about my own <laughs> that way
0: uh, thank you because the thing is I decided to create well I decided to create it I think it was like late last year And then I talked myself out of it. But then when January 1st came, I just thought you're doing this. And I had no plan because the branding was like literally all over the place. And you could tell I had no plan. But then once I started, you know, posting more, my vision became clear. So um, yeah, I'm really glad that you guys um, like the posts. And um, yeah, I just want to keep on growing the community because yeah, it's really, um, yeah, it's really great to just be able to like, connect with people and just share my you know thoughts and experiences and stuff and
2: and it it just brings something different to an image like focus platform like we forget that words exist in this kind of like oh my god what's she wearing kind of world
0: yeah exactly and that was the thing like I don't want people to focus on like what I look like or what I'm wearing. And even when I was blogging, that was me. Like, I don't want people to focus on what I look like. Like there'll be the odd photo of me on the grid. Like I want people to focus on what I do. And that's always been my thing. Like I want people to focus on the writing. I want people to focus on what I tell them and, you know, use that because I feel like there's more purpose attached to that instead of, you know, how many outfits I managed to wear in a week. Although, you know, I mean, it's fine. People who are doing that make it work for them. But for me, I'm more of a purpose-led individual. I really value purpose and connection and just really being myself. I think that's another lesson that I learned over the past year, just learning how to be myself.
1: Oh, I love that. i feel really inspired right now. Oh, this has been such a refreshing like chat i really enjoyed this today i'm having a really good
0: time in general <laughs> i really 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 enjoyed this Kelly. so inspiring i enjoyed it as well and you guys inspired me as well thank you for having me
2: obviously i literally can't wait to do the promo for this episode because i feel like i've got so many like good
0: sound bites yeah that's really good. Yeah, I think the conversation was good. And I'm also glad that I didn't know what we were talking about before the episode. <laughs> I know. <'cause> I'm a <laughs> kind of person, if you guys had told me a topic, I would have literally like assigned one page in my notebook to write about the topic and like every point that I wanted to make. And I just feel like the conversation wouldn't have been authentic. So even though I sort of like lost my train of thought like a few times, I just feel like if anything, not knowing made the conversation better. And put me at ease as well.
1: Yeah, no, we're all about like keeping it authentic and having a chat. Obviously, people will be listening, but um, yeah, I, I like the fact that we do that.
2: <laughs> and to wrap up, where where can everyone find you on socials? And yeah,
0: okay, so on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, I'm at Kelly S. Writer. So that's K E L L E S, and then the word writer. And on Pinterest, you can find me at Kelly Sally. That's K-E-L-L-E, my first name, and S-A-L-L-E, my last name. And I also blog at Kelly Space, which again is my name. So <laughs> www. Um, it's kellyspace.com. Can I Can I just say, I love your blog. It's just so concise to the
2: point, like it's a visual treat when I go on there, because obviously like, Blogs are slightly harder to keep up with, but no, your your blog like is one that every now and then I'll go on and I'm like, oh my god. thank like, you. I need to get back in this
0: blogging game because I've been taking a break. But yeah. But no. your blog, your blog looks good as well. I really like your blog. Banging. And I really love your um travel post as well, sort of sharing your sharing your experiences. So and I always think like I'm living my best life through you. Because, I mean, everybody yeah, says I that about Charlotte.
1: Literally. But... <laughs> <laughs> everybody does that. I think I just need to, like, I've taken a pause from vlogging, like, so bad. I haven't vlogged in a year, but, like, even though I can write, I just prefer to do visuals. And, like, obviously, yeah. I've got so much going on with by Jesse. But for people listening, I actually started off as a blogger, fashion, actually, fashion blogging and shoots and stuff like that. So I'll incorporate that more into, like, my pins and, like, I don't know what's gonna happen to that blog. Look what I got, but watch
2: this maybe we need a blogging episode because you touched on something really important about like how blogs used to be like super consumer focused in the beginning about like you know yeah which mac mac lipstick am i buying this year because they back then less money um whereas now it's like you know do people still blog i don't know but yeah so probably i think they're still
0: relevant though like for me right now like i've decided to take a month out because you know i want to focus on more you know, writing more, you know, for the major publications. So, um, yeah, I think they're still relevant. There's still quite, you know, a lot of blogs out there. So, you know, I would definitely not discourage anyone from starting a blog. Like, Absolutely. if you want to do it, like, you know what sets you apart from the rest, do exactly. it,
2: you know. And no one is you apart yeah. from
1: you, so, yeah. Cool. This has been inspiring. This has been beautiful, people. i enjoyed it. Thank you, Kelly. Kelly. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Have a good evening.
0: Follow us on Instagram and Twitter
1: at Hustle Hotline. Keep it locked.